Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Hi, my essay husband says he will kill himself before he acts out again. He suffers from depression and suicidal thoughts. He's on medication. He says this time he is committed to staying sober. This worries me and I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, so, I, so I'm not sure exactly what the question is, Tammy, here. Like he's committed to staying sober, but what, what worries this person? And what are they not able to make something of? So... So the, I, I'm gonna. My concern on this is um, any time I hear from an addict, oh, I'm never gonna do that again. That's huge red flags for me. The the thing I can't really address and um, would appreciate your thoughts on is you know if he suffers from clinical depression and suicidal thoughts, you know I'm like I'm almost going like you know I'm not asking for that perfection. Like, can we just be in the space where you're working on your recovery today? Like, you know, uh, like it doesn't have to be the all or nothing. And, you know, uh, so I'm wondering if the conversation could be, you know, from your standpoint, you know, like, let's not make it so black and white. Let's go with it for today. What are we both doing to be on a path moving forward? Because, um, yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't feel comfortable as a betrayed partner if somebody said, I'll never do that again, because it feels like they wouldn't be taking it as seriously as they should. However, I also, you know, like if somebody's going, well, I'll kill myself first, that, you know, that feels too extreme. So, but I really well, don't know with the clinical depression. So what do you think? Well, I, you know, I don't know this person, Tammy. So I obviously we need to be really careful about what I right. say, because I don't know his history or, or any of that. But I will say this, addicts are manipulative. And if it gets you to shut up or leave me alone or be less angry at me, if I say, oh, you know, I'm just, again, I'm just not feeling like living, I will use that in order to shut you up and get what I want. I'll especially use it if it gets you to feel bad for me, even though you're the one I hurt. So I don't know to what degree this is true. Does it, and by the way, having thoughts, God, I don't, twice, once or twice a week, I don't feel like I, I got to leave this planet. I mean, everybody has thoughts about not wanting to be here, but um, here's a good question. Has he ever hurt himself before? Does he have any history of suicidality? Has he ever followed through on any of this? He cut on himself or hurt himself or, you know, so if there are, and by the way, this is why we run a treatment program. Seeking integrity is here because when somebody is struggling to stay sober, but their emotional issues are so great that when they're not acting out, they're overwhelmed or so they can't really deal with the things on their plate when they're sober because it's overwhelming them. Or somebody has a drug and sex problem and they put down the sex and they pick up that this is what treatment is for. This is what a treatment center is for is when someone is unable to put, get it together and cope and get where they need to get in the process. That's why we're here. And the other reason is if someone's in a major crisis and they just need to get some help right away. But I don't, I hear a lot about it in our treatment center, men saying, well, you know, I'm not really suicidal, but boy, when I say that, or, you know, it doesn't come out right away. It usually takes a week or so in treatment. They say, well, yeah, the truth is I wasn't really. So I don't know. I don't trust the things that come out of addicts' mouths. But on the, I'm also not in a particular situation where I could say anything because I don't want this person to harm themselves and have me weighed in. So I don't know the situation. But here's one other thing that, that, that comes to my mind is um, maybe you need to go to his therapy with him 
I like that idea. Call this therapist and say, you know, I'm very concerned. He's saying all these things. I don't know what to do. You know, I would really, I don't want to be involved in his therapy. I don't want, but I do need some advice and direction. Even if you, he can't call you back or she can't call you back, you can leave them a message and then it will get brought up in therapy because maybe you're the only one who's really hearing about this other than the, and medication doesn't mean therapy. Medication means seeing a psychiatrist and getting on medications. Um, so uh, I think we've spent a lot of time with this. I'm both suspect and concerned if you're, yeah. And why, by the way, he won't kill himself before he acts out again. He'll kill himself after he acts out. You know, when you get to the point of wanting acting out, you're not thinking about anything except going and doing it. It's afterwards that you feel like crap and you don't want to live. So, um, how about, well, I'm, I'm going to be gentle and say that I don't know enough, but I a, little, a bunch of red flags go up for me in this situation about, is this manipulative? Is this, is this a lot of things? Is there really therapy going on? I, I don't know. How involved are you? How much do people know about this? Lots more questions. I have answers for you, but hopefully that has been helpful. Yeah, no, I love that you suggest going to see his, uh, hopefully he's seeing a qualified professional. Um, I hear all the time people going to coaches and things that like, this is a high level mental health situation. So um, having an expert um, clinical person would be um, important. And if I'm going to say this in general, um, Tammy, T-A-M-I at seekingintegrity.com. If you are not working with a qualified professional and need help finding one, email me and include where you're located so I can help you find somebody qualified in your area. Okay, next question. Betrayed partner here. My essay partner has done so many passive aggressive, backhanded, addict type things. I now find myself interpreting nice things he does as malicious. I just found his most recent secret device about a week ago. Not sure if active addiction is relevant here. He claims sobriety since. How do I view him in better light? Amy, again, I mean, I. I have lots of feelings about this. One. I, I'm like, um, why don't you go ahead and try? Well, and I'm like, why would you? Myself. Why would you view him in a better light? You just found another secret device a week ago. He, he, he claims sobri- He so he claims sobriety since addicts lip moving lying. So, um, so to me, interpreting nice things as malicious, I would not necessarily malicious. I would wonder about manipulative. Um, more than malicious. I would, I would see things as uh, I trust your gut. That's what I'm thinking, man, trust your gut. This is not a person in, on a recovery path. This is someone who's still, you know, uh, lying and hiding secrets. You, you discovered, you found it. He didn't bring this to you and go, Oh, here's my other secret device. And here's, I've talked to my sponsor and my qualified therapist. No, you found it. So he, he, he at most maybe has a week of abstinence, but I, I'm thinking that's giving, being generous. So I, I go with Pam. It's like, if someone's doing passive aggressive backhanded addict things, I, I would interpret them as being malicious. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with what you're thinking. And most recent secret device about a week ago. I mean, this person isn't, I'm not sure what you mean by not sure if active addiction is relevant. Uh, I don't even think he's ever been sober. So, I, I, again, I, I don't hear anything about therapists. Is that true, Tammy? This Correct. may be a situation where maybe you want to call us and get a consultation. Uh, Tammy does them. Other folks, I do consultations and support sessions. It seems like you might need more direct direction. Does that make sense, Tammy? Mm-hmm. Um, you may need to ask some specific questions because there's a lot in here. 
But to me, I read this like someone who needs more you, more information, more direction, more concrete stuff, because these are very vague questions and they're vague questions, but based on what you're dealing with a week ago, they wouldn't be vague questions for me. So I think that some more information about all this whole process would be useful for you. Um, and maybe chat with one of us or write Tammy a note, see if we can get you uh, in a situation where you get more answers because um, I wouldn't care. You found a secret device a week ago. I don't care if he's sober or not. Why the heck are you lying to me about this device? I'd be so furious. And to me, it'd be like, we, well, it wouldn't be like, we're starting all over again from the beginning. So um, yeah, something is really not right here. And I think you need more information to be able to set your own boundaries and be safer. You're asking the right questions, but I think you need more specifics and you need help with that, my opinion. T-A-M-I, at Seeking Integrity. We give out lots of referrals. We don't get kickbacks, um, but we can support you in finding more information than we're able to give here. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he does a two-hour expert consultation with couples. That could be a really useful thing for the two of you, just saying. But, but we do have 25 or 50-minute support sessions, myself and several members of our staff, completely different than Dr. Rob. So don't, you know, like, it's completely different. But, yeah, email me if you've got questions about that. It's also on the Seeking Integrity site. So, okay. So next question, my husband says he feels masturbation is something he doesn't want to do anymore, but he doesn't feel it as much as a betrayal as anything else. What are your thoughts on masturbation for an addict? And is it a betrayal on any level? He says if he's fantasizing about other women, he sees it as a betrayal that uh, just makes me feel like an object and definitely feels like a betrayal because I'm right here. Why do, does he have to fantasize about me? Hmm. Well, there's a number of questions here, right? So mm -hmm. if you wouldn't mind telling me, why don't you pull them out one at a time? Because, so, you know, what does he fantasize yeah. about me is different than, yeah, thanks. So the first one, what are your thoughts on masturbation for an addict? And is it a betrayal on any level? Well, I think it's a betrayal if you feel like it's a betrayal, because you're the one who's feeling betrayed. And so it isn't up to me to say it's a betrayal. It's up to you to say, I feel betrayed. In the beginning of this process, I think taking a time out from sexuality period, 90 days or something like that, it's not going to cure anything. But part of the reason why we do take some abstinence at the beginning is so that you don't worry. <laughs> it's exactly for this reason. So if you walk in the bathroom and we're masturbating, that's not going to help you to feel a lot more comfortable about this whole process. It's just going to make you more anxious and worried. So in the beginning, it might actually be useful, and I don't know how far along you are, to just if I were in early recovery and I, I would want to say, I don't want to worry my spouse. I don't want to make them. You shouldn't even have to ask about these questions. He should already be on top of this. So, um, the, the, so directly to the masturbation issue. Um, some people, once they've stopped the whole thing for a little while, some people can go back to masturbation because without the intensity of looking at porn, it's just not a big deal for them. It doesn't do what they were used to. It doesn't have that intensity. So some people can over time, masturbate occasionally without it being a problem. Some people um, keep images in their head and they're so good at fantasy and so good at recalling them. And six months after the porn's gone, they're still hot on the trail of those. So it's really something that we learn about over time. And if I, I would probably not be masturbating any of that stuff. And then I would talk to someone. What does my sponsor say? What does my therapist say? What does my group say? If I can give all of you addicts or any of you who are here to listen to me, here's the answer. Don't make decisions about your sexual life on your own. 
You can make decisions about paying your taxes. You can make your decisions about opening a new business. But when it comes to sex, you don't make good decisions. And so here's my suggestion. Don't try. I don't know what to do about masturbation. I'm not sure. Let me just go ahead and do it. No, let me talk to someone who knows me, who knows my situation. They'll tell me, try it out. Don't try it out. If I had a sponsor or a therapist and I was asking this question, the first thing they would say to me is, how do you think your spouse feels about this? You know, and maybe the most important part, and I haven't said this in a while, but I think it's really important, is that, um, um, well, it's his job to make you feel better. It's his job to make you feel more at peace. It's his job to make you feel more trusting. Um, when I have a spouse, even in a non-sex addiction situation, say, you know, I really bothers me when you get the porn, you know, let's talk about it. It makes me uncomfortable. And I look at it anyway. Basically, what I'm saying to my spouse is I don't care what you think. I'm going to do what I want. And this situation makes me think of someone who's thinking about what they want and when they want it and how they want it and how they can talk you into what they want rather than really respecting you. I think you are being treated like an object. And I think it does. It is a betrayal. And you are right there. The one thing that I don't think you have really clearly yet is that our acting out is not about sex. So, and we have an intimacy disorder for a whole lot of reasons, usually having to do with our upbringing and ever, all of that stuff. I can't, when I am active in my addiction, I can be incredibly loving and kind and sweet to my partner if that's how I want to be, and also go over here and do what I want to do. Spouses often say, how could you love me and do this anyway? I'm not really thinking about you when I'm doing this. And when I'm with you, I'm thinking about how I can hide it. Um, so you are an object until you're not. And if this person's still fighting for masturbation, trust your feelings. What I love here, Tammy, is this is someone who really has a good gut, you know, on what feels right and doesn't. I, I am glad you're coming here and checking it out. And I'm saying, I think Tammy said, trust that gut. You're going in the right direction. And the fantasy part, it isn't about, it's about escaping you. It's about escaping the relationship. It's about disappearing into something else. We don't want to fantasize about you. We want to disappear into our anonymous craziness. So if I was going to fantasize about you, I probably wouldn't be a sex addict. Um, I want to fantasize about everyone in the world and just kind of keep you on a string. So you're being right there. I, I've worked with some of the most, and Tammy, I can't tell you who, but I've worked with with men who have truly have been with some of the most beautiful women in the world, like acknowledge magazine covers, movies. I live in Hollywood. I've had a couple of those clients. If you saw a name of how beautiful one of these women were, how famous they were, how famous they were for their beauty. And these guys are acting out anyway. It doesn't matter. It's not about them. It's about our craziness. And the faster you can say, wow, he's in his craziness again, rather than he doesn't want me the faster you, this will grow for you because it's just not about you. It affects you. It makes you feel terrible, but it's not about you. He had this problem long before he met you. So I want to start with the first sentence. My husband says he feels masturbation is something he doesn't want to do anymore. But then there's this whole justification. So I'm going like, mm, me thinks thou protesteth too much in that. Like if he doesn't want to do it, First of all, addicts, we always go, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. And the next thing you know, we are. But he's already given himself, well, if I'm just fantasizing about my wife, then it's really not bad. But but I hear you and, and understand if he's fantasizing about you, then I feel objectified. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, it's a struggle for um, 
uh, for partners of sex ad or porn addicts in particular, because those images can be rolling around and they're like, I feel like I'm having sex with him, but his head is somewhere else. And it, it, it takes intentionality to start to shift that. So, so I, I vote with you, like hold your boundary, understand. Um, but I would like to know if that's in his inner circle, like, like uh, just saying, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. But I really don't think it's a betrayal if I'm just fantasizing about you feels like, you know, I'm, I'm straddling the fence with that. So, okay. Next question is, I am the betrayed partner. I'm three and a half years since discovery. My husband started SA and I started SNON. I'm still working with my therapist and 12 step program. My husband is not in program or working with a therapist. He believes that he will never act out in any way again. Um, I believe he needs program and therapy. He believes that he his past life in the sports world, me and his family were the reason. I believe I am I do not believe that I am the cause. I do not know if I have contributed, albeit unknowingly. So Tammy, what is the question here? Because there's a lot of statements. I have something I want to say about it, but is there a question you would want to respond I do to? not see a specific question in that, but um, you know, the, I think looking for affirmation that I'm not the cause, you are not, um, you did not, nothing you did or didn't do. And the sports isn't, um, I, I, I would, uh, you know, from your standpoint, I would really work on having healthy boundaries because this is, I, I was talking to somebody doing a support session earlier today. And, um, uh, you know, I, she, I, you know, I have a daily reprieve. I've been doing this a while and like, I will not say, oh, you know, that was the reason. And I'll never do that again. I, I, it's just waiting. And I know people who have been sober you know for years or decades and they quit doing what they need to do and guess what then all of a sudden they're going like how did this happen i relapsed yeah and the other thing is recovery is not just not doing the acting out behavior it really is living differently and you know it you know it's showing up differently we started tonight with you know a question about you know how do i you know how do i get her back how do i do that it, it's about we show up differently we show up for other people in a, in a real way. And this is somebody that sounds like he's minimizing his risk at putting you, um, putting your relationship in, in harm's way. So. Yeah, I, I, um, I feel, I have a lot of feelings about this. I think this is, um, it feels like you're, you can't, pull this cart by yourself in a marriage. You know, you cannot, we have a saying in therapy when we have a, a, someone who's a patient and I'm the therapist, one of the sayings is never work harder than your patient, right? Because if I give you things to do and I direct you and I support you and you don't do them, well, then I'm not going to like get investigated and work really hard because you're not doing your part. And, you know, if you need to go to meetings, you're not going to meetings, then that's what we're going to talk about. We're not going to do therapy. So, um, no, I kind of feel the same way. Like he's not doing his part. And so, and you're doing a lot. So what I would make up about all of that is that he doesn't, he thinks he's got this. And I don't mean got it like not working on it. I mean, he doesn't need, like he could just stop. I heard that. I think he's got it like you're handled. He's handled you, you know, mm. and he said this and he's done that. And you just need to believe him. I'll never do this again and blah, blah, blah. 
it doesn't matter whether that's true or not to a certain degree. What matters is what makes you feel safe? <laughs> Your betrayed partner, if you feel safe with him in program and therapy because you don't think what he did and is saying is accurate, then tell him that. But what is the other side of it? So you're three and a half years since this is coming out and he's not doing anything about it. So it's kind of like what I said before. We know what the move is toward each other. Things are going well. What is your move toward distancing yourself? Because this is not going well. You cannot recover your relationship without him. And he can't recover the relationship till he does his recovery. And so my husband is not in program working with a therapist. You're wasting your time focusing on him because he's still the same person he was. He's still telling the same lies. He's still pushing you off. He hasn't changed because he hasn't done anything. And I bet this is someone who really believes that if they just work you the right way, that you'll get, they'll get you to believe anything they have to say. The last thing you wrote is what I have strong feelings about also. I do know that I may have contributed, albeit unknowingly. So now I have to do my thing, Tammy. I want every mm -hmm. spouse in the room and partner to take out a pen or a pad and write down the following. All of you spouses, please write this down. And I'm the expert. So if I said it, it must be true, okay? There's three things. One, there's nothing I have ever done. Spouses, there is nothing I have ever done. Second sentence, there is nothing I am doing. There's nothing I have ever done. There's nothing I am doing. Third sentence, and there's nothing I will ever do. Nothing I will ever do. So past, present, and future to make my loved one act out. And I was saying this to a couple I was talking to earlier. You can make him miserable. You can gain 100 pounds and nag him all the time and, you know, fight and scrap and, you know, spend all his money, whatever. And he can leave you. Or he can get a divorce. Or he can get a therapist. Or he can take up a hobby. Or he can try to work on things with you. Or there are so many choices that I can make if I'm not happy in my relationship. You cannot contribute to my acting out. You can make him miserable. And maybe you contributed to his misery. I don't know what kind of marriage you have. But the decision to go and drink, the decision to go and use, the decision to go see that sex worker, that's my decision as an addict. I can blame you, but that's part of the problem is addicts want to say, well, it's over there and it's over there. And if she just wouldn't, and I'm the problem. And any attempt I make to make someone else the problem is me not, not really understanding the problem. I can't see problem over and over again. I am responsible for my actions. There's nothing you can do to make me do anything. I'm an adult. My choices are my choices. How I handle situations is up to me. If his decision about not being happy with you or you're contributing to his unhappiness is to go act out with strangers or whatever he does sexually, that's on him. Um, so please don't take responsibility, you spouses, for our behavior. You may not, we may not be happy with you. We can leave. But the logical conclusion, and by the way, I was just this couple I was talking to today, she actually said that she said, you know, why didn't you just leave me? I would have been happier rather than living with this mm -hmm. lie. I could have made decisions on my life. I don't care if you, I was making you miserable. Why did you have to do this? And the truth is because that's what he wanted to do. Um, so you cannot contribute. You can contribute to the problems of your marriage. You cannot contribute to someone making a decision about what they want to do with their life. Um, so please take that off your plate and all you spouses. Do you think they believe me, Tammy? I think it's I think it's hard for because they've been told by their addict that no it really is you and right. like it's hard to start finding that truth and and trusting your gut and going no it really isn't it's not about me 
you know, I'm like you, you know, they'll go, well, I, you know, I should have done this or I shouldn't. No, it's not about you. It, It is. That's hard when you've been gaslit, you've been manipulated for years or decades. It, you know, it's hard to have even the expert, Dr. Rob saying that and to have that sink in, you know, to more than just, you know, top of the top of the brain. So. Well, I also want to say something else about Tammy, which is, is about grief, which is when you're grieving something, remorse is a part of grief. So I had a family member pass away recently, this last couple of weeks, and I kept thinking to myself, I wish I'd said this. Maybe we should have done that. Maybe I should have looked in on them soon. You know, when we have a loss, questioning mm-hmm. ourselves and challenging mm-hmm. ourselves is part of the grieving process. But don't believe it. You know, when you, this is, by the way, what support groups are for. And I didn't see, I saw Essen on, but what are you doing for you? Okay. I am still working my therapist 12-step program. Are you raising your hand and saying, I feel like I'm still responsible. I feel like I'm contributing. I think you have more work to do in a, in a, uh, in a supportive way of separating yourself from the problem. And I agree with you, Tammy, you know what we say? It's so good. Um, well, if you just hadn't done that, or, you know, I wasn't thinking about this, but then you did this, or, you know, we have a million ways to tell you it's your fault. Um, and we and it's not. Yeah, yeah. Because then, you know what, let's us off, we're addicts. It lets us off the hook. So one more thing I'm going to say, because the SNN, they often, I think, still use codependent language. And if you mm-hmm. have not already found it, um, Dr. Rob has a there's a book, but there's a podcast on, on sex, love, and addiction that talks about pro-dependence moving beyond or beyond the myth of codependency because there is no such thing as codependence. That's a whole nother lecture and we're going to run out of time, but please do not buy into the myth that, you know, that you're codependent, you're an enabler, that you're part of the problem. You aren't. So um, please, uh, and then that, I mentioned the work groups earlier, there's a betrayed partner work group that starts March 1st. It's from a pro-dependent lens. It's very, um, it's really good, but it really is looking at this as gosh, you love somebody who's really struggling. You know, that doesn't pathologize you. And how can you set healthy boundaries for you that, you know, where you value you and take care of you, so. And I want to quickly explain the difference because it'll take Mm -hmm. me two seconds to explain the difference. Codependency says on some level, um, to the spouse, what's wrong with you for being this person? Why did you choose this person? Why did you stay with this person? Why did you? What is it in your background, your history? What is wrong with you, basically? Codependency says to spouses that you entered this situation or you stayed in the situation, and I think that's abusive. I already know why you stayed in the situation because you love them. I already know why you put up with all kinds of stuff because you love them, and that's what you do when you love somebody. And I don't need any more answers for the spouse. I don't need to look at their problems or where their history are. All I need to know is you did your best to love with someone and they hurt you and you're really, really wounded and devastated. I don't think anyone would want to bring this about. Um, you know, do pe- couples have issues? Sure. Do they uh, make kind of, but sorry, I'm talking too fast. The bottom line is you can never be responsible for someone else's behavior. If somebody drinks, I'm not going to look at a spouse and say, oh, well, what are you doing to contribute to their drinking? That's codependency. What I'm going to do is say, I think you're amazing for having stayed with someone who's so troubled. Rather than questioning you about why did you stay? What's wrong with you? I'm going to say, of course you stayed. You love them. What a painful ride for you to love someone like this. You see the difference? I'm validating you for the love you give, for wanting to your family to stay together, for that's what pro-dependence is. I don't want to question your fidelity, your relationship, or how it has to do with your past. That's not relevant when you're in a crisis like this. 
So please don't let any therapist, any of you spouses again, uh, to give you this well. You know, your father was like this and you know, it doesn't matter. Maybe that's true. Maybe you want to work on that three years from now or never. But to say that, that you had some part in this happening or continuing is a lie. And to say that something from your history lets somebody do this to you is a lie. You stay with them because you love them. You're with them because you love what, you, what you've shared. You stay in the hopes that things will get better, not because you're trying to keep hurting yourself over and over again, because you want things to get better. You, partners, are our hope. You were the ones who hold out this vision for who we might be or who we might have been had we not made this mess. And boy, do we need you to pull ourselves out of that hole. Um, um, let me say it this way, Tammy. What research tells us is that people who have family members who are loving and engaged do much better with recovery than people who don't have family and loved ones engaged. Codependence says disengage. I'm saying engage with boundaries and structure for yourself. So anyway, yeah, pro-dependence. Good book. <laughs> it's a, it, well, it, it's a whole different lens. It's, a whole, it, it, it's not yeah. a, a different label. We're not labeling you. Now you're pro-dependent. No, it's a whole different lens of supporting you know, and healing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.